there's nothing worth more that will ever come close no thing can compare you're our living hope your presence Lord I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, that truly is our prayer on this special, wonderful day as we come to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We ask for the Holy Spirit to rain down. We ask for the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts, to bring us into your very presence. Lord, that there would be no excuse for any of us having left here this morning, uh, having missed worshiping you. Father, I pray for those who may not know Christ, Lord, that through the songs that are sung, through the message that is preached, that may it touch their hearts and bring them, Lord, to faith in Christ. For others, Lord, who already have that faith in Christ, may this day be an encouragement to them to share the gospel with their friends like never before. Thank you so much for all that you have done for us. Holy Spirit, rain down. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We do want to welcome those of you who are here this morning and welcome those who are online with us. Uh, we are there on Facebook, on Twitter, at HBC Tullahoma, on YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma, and we do have our phone live streaming uh, number that you can use also. If you need that number, be sure to call us at the church at 931-455-0645. We'll be glad to give you uh, that number so that you can call in and listen uh, online. I want to encourage you, if you're at home, go to our church website, highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab, just a few tabs over that you can download the worship bulletin there. If you're here in person, you didn't get one of these, uh, our ushers will be glad to come and to give you one if you just raise your hand. Uh, if you also want one of the children's worship bulletins, they are in the windowsill over here. Uh, you can pick up one of those uh, anytime uh, that you want. Uh, we won't be doing children's church this morning. I think that's right, Brother Matt. Yes, so uh, you may want to pick up one of those just anytime you want to during one of the songs uh, that we're singing. But we have one for ages 7 and up, one ages 3 and up. If you're at home, you can find these under uh, the, the uh, bulletin there on that same info tab. Uh, and then also, just to remind you, you can do your online giving while you're there. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab, and you can do that there. Very simple platform. You can do that even if you're here in person, or you can put it in the offering plates. Uh, we'll mention some more about the offering uh, this morning in just a little bit. Uh, but it's our heart's desire that the songs that we sing this morning, the messages preached, will encourage you and touch your heart. So thank you so much for this morning. Good morning, all. Take your hymnals and let's sing 159, join the choir, and let's sing praises to our Lord as we praise him and sing, Christ the Lord is risen today. Ladies.
as we come to this moment uh, every Sunday, we emphasize one of our missionaries. Uh, you'll find in your bulletins this morning our missionary moment by, of Eric and Anissa Haney, who are serving uh, in Europe, actually in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, they, I'll let you read all the details there, but they are using uh, songs and music uh, to share the gospel there uh, with what they're calling stories uh, of hope. Uh, it's a project that has seven New Testament stories put to music and orchestration. And so we want to pray for them, as well as our North American missionaries. We are still collecting for our Annie Armstrong uh, Easter offering. Uh, you'll see the goal right below the missionary moment there. Uh, our goal is 7,000, and so I want to encourage you to give towards that. That supports our missionaries uh, across North America, uh, and uh, as well as we take one at Christmas that supports our international missionaries like the Haney's. And so we want to uplift our missionaries in prayer this morning uh, all across this nation. So let's go to the Lord in prayer for them. Heavenly Father, as we come before you once again, Lord, we humbly come interceding, Lord, on the behalf of Eric and Anissa Haney, who are serving there in Stockholm, Sweden, and other places across Europe through the ministry of music. And Father, I just pray that as they are using such a unique ministry, that you will use it, Lord, in, in great and mighty ways to touch the hearts of people uh, who need to know Jesus. Father, I pray that you will bless us, that we will be a blessing to them by remembering to pray for them, as well as, Lord, also uh, encouraging us by, and blessing us that we might be a blessing to them financially. As we give every Sunday, a portion of our tithes and offerings goes to support those missionaries. And so, Father, we ask for your blessings upon them. But especially Especially as we're getting ready to wrap up our, our offering for the North American missionaries. Bless us, Lord, to help us to reach that goal. And I pray that you will inspire us in our hearts in supporting our missionaries across uh, North America to, to give uh, and bless us that way that we will be able to do that, whatever gift that you may uh, lay upon our hearts to do. Lord, again, we just come and ask that you will uh, bless the songs we're singing this morning, bless the choir uh, as they're singing several numbers this morning. Uh, and Father, I just pray that it will be an encouragement to our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, amen. So just wanted to remind you of that we've already made the announcement about the offering. If you're here as a guest, uh, we want to encourage you up here at the front are some bags that you'll see on the sides of the stage. There are some back in the foyer as you leave that way also. Be sure to pick up one of these bags. It's just a way that we want to say thank you for being here this morning. It has some information about our church, but it has some gifts in it too that we want to give you for and thank you for being here this morning. So pray for the choir. We are singing several this morning. We'll be singing one right now and then one at the very end after our announcement time when Brother Bobby comes to, to share that and our prayer requests, uh, we'll be closing out with a, a choir song, so you don't want to miss that uh, at the very end. So pray for us as we sing uh, even now.
some of that that we're going to see here in Matthew's gospel also because I've entitled this message, Servant of All. And as you're going to see, the greatest expression of love that any servant could show is to lay down his life. And that's in fact what Jesus himself does. So Matthew chapter 12, verse 14 to verse 16 is what we're going to begin with. So if you would, let's stand for the reading of God's word in honor of his word. Beginning with verse 15, or actually verse 14. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. And Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer this morning, I pray that you will speak to our hearts from your word. Lord, I pray that you will help us to experience a peace in our hearts and our lives that passes all understanding. May we come into your presence even this morning. But Father, I pray that you will show your power in a great and mighty way through this word to encourage us, Lord, to surrender like Christ did to the will of the Father and to give our hearts and our lives to Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that as we do that, may you help us to walk faithfully before you, to walk humbly even before you. And I pray, God, that you would help us to be like Jesus, a servant of all, in whose name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice in those verses that we just read there, the, the contrast, if you will, between the Pharisees who ignored the needs of the people and yet plotted to kill the Messiah and Jesus, the, the, the servant. Uh, this passage contains the longest quotation of the Old Testament in the book of Matthew. Uh, we're going to see in just a moment that Matthew quotes from Isaiah, one of his favorite authors, and in particular the prophecy of a suffering servant in Isaiah 42, verse 1 through verse 3. I, verse 3. I love the book of Isaiah. Uh, it, it's a wonderful book of prose. It's a wonderful book of poetry. It has history. It has prophecy. It speaks to the people of Isaiah's day, and it continues to speak to the people uh, of today. Uh, the book of Isaiah mirrors the Bible. Isaiah has 66 chapters. The Bible has 66 books. Isaiah has 39 chapters dealing uh, primarily with the history of Israel. The Bible has 39 Old Testament books dealing primarily with the history of Israel. Isaiah has 27 chapters dealing with uh, the, the future of the Israelite people, including some of the beautiful prophecies about Jesus Christ and the coming Messiah. And the New Testament has 27 books dealing with the story of Christ. So Isaiah has many times been called the gospel of the Old Testament because of its overwhelming uh, view of who Jesus Christ is. And one of the most interesting aspects of the book of Isaiah is what is called the servant songs. Uh, is songs that are prophesying about the Messiah who is to come and how he is to be a, a servant. Uh, there are five passages of scripture in the second part of the book of Isaiah that beautifully describe the ministry of Jesus Christ. And three of those five specifically use the word servant. Oswald Chambers wrote this. He said, suffering is the heritage of the bad, of the penitent, and of the Son of God. 
Each one ends in the cross. The bad thief is crucified, the penitent thief is crucified, and the Son of God is crucified. By these signs, we know the widespread heritage of suffering. In other words, there is none of us who are exempt from suffering. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at suffering as it applies to Jesus Christ and as it applies to us. And so the first question that comes to mind is, who is this servant that Matthew's speaking of and quoting from the book of Isaiah? I want you to notice, first of all, in this passage, the identity of the servant. Uh, we're going to pick up with that in verse 17 down through verse 20. So beginning with verse 17, it says, So this, all that he had done before there, was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And so understand this about Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet, and his role was to speak to the people on behalf of God. Sometimes he was, uh, this was looking forward, saying that God will do X, Y, Z. Uh, but the main concern was always to speak to the people regarding their present circumstances. And so one of the amazing things uh, about how God works is that he can speak to his people in our circumstances, but he can also see far ahead and have words that mean something far greater and significant later on. Uh, that's what we see happening in the servant songs in Isaiah. If we were to take the time to look at the history and the background and depth, you could identify who he's speaking of in Isaiah's time. But because we're now looking back through Jesus uh, and his work on the cross, we see that Isaiah's descriptions are most true about Jesus. And so Isaiah saw Jesus' glory and he spoke about him. But who but Jesus brings justice to the nations? Who but Jesus establishes justice on earth without faltering? Who but Jesus is a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, open eyes that are blind, frees captives. And so that's the message of who the identity of this servant is. That servant ultimately is Jesus Christ. I want you to see also the role of the servant, the role of the servant. So the first picture uh, we see here is of a servant, and we know exactly how Jesus lived his life on this earth. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7 uh, tells us this about Jesus, but he emptied himself or made himself of no reputation by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, Jesus says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So the example of Jesus here, the role of Jesus, the role of this servant is the picture here of a servant. The most famous example that we could see about that with Jesus is Jesus when he washes the feet of his disciples in the upper room on that night that he was betrayed in John chapter 13. I mean, think about that. Isn't that an incredible thing? I want you to think on that for just a moment. Here is Jesus 
our Lord and our Savior and our King who humbles himself and begins to wash his followers' feet. What a picture of a servant for us. He came to serve. He served God the Father first, of course, but he also served his disciples. Why? He, he tells us exactly why when you read John's gospel in John 13. To be, he did that to be an example for us on how we need to treat one another. That we need to be servants also. We need to look for ways to, to meet one another's needs. Uh, not in some flashy, noticeable, obvious ways that result in, in public accolades and somebody patting you on the back and saying, Oh, that's a good thing you did there. What a good boy. That's a great thing. But always like Jesus in ways that genuinely meet needs of the heart without all the fanfare, without all the publicity. That needs to be our heart and our desire as believers in this life is to be servants of Jesus Christ in all humility. The times we feel most like Christ, most in the center of God's will, most like Jesus is when you're following the example of our King. You see, service, ministry as a servant, it's invigorating, it's exciting when you get to minister to others. And the Bible tells us that it's obedient. But I want you to see this picture that not only does Matthew share with us by repeating Isaiah, but what Isaiah originally had to say about the suffering of the servant. You see, the portrait in Isaiah is more than simply that of a servant. It's of a servant who suffers. And the picture of that suffering is severe. You know, sometimes as believers, or even if we're thinking about trusting in Christ as our Lord and Savior, you, you hear and you think that, well, if I do that, then everything's going to be fine and, and it's going to be a bed of roses. There's not going to be any more suffering. One day that will be true when we get to heaven. But until that day, as long as we're here on this earth, Jesus said, I've suffered, you're going to suffer also. And so the picture here of the suffering of the servant is severe. And so once again, the description of suffering finds its most complete fulfillment in Jesus suffering on the cross. Notice that Jesus suffered for us. Go back again to verse 17 and verse 18. Here he's talking about fulfilling what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Verse 18 says, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. You know, almost always, whenever we confront suffering, whenever we're faced with suffering, what's the first question you ask? Everybody asks it. Why? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to suffer, whether that's physically or emotionally or spiritually or financially or, or in your family? The question is always, why? And that's a hard question, often one for which there sometimes isn't any good answer. But Isaiah 53 is really clear, though, about the why of Jesus' suffering. Why did Jesus have to go through the suffering that he went through? Why did he have to be betrayed on the cross? Why did he have to hang on a cross between two common criminals who deserved to die? He hung there in the middle in our place where we deserve to be. Why? Well, Isaiah 53 tells us the why of Jesus' suffering. He did it for us. 
Uh, if you would, look at Isaiah 53. You may want to turn over there in your Bibles. We're going to look there for just a moment in Isaiah in a couple of places. Just keep your finger there at Matthew because we're coming back again. But Isaiah 53 and verse 4 through verse 6 says this, speaking about Jesus, the suffering servant. Surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. And we turned, every single one of us, to his own way. There's not a one of us, the Bible tells us, that is good. No, not one. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The fact that he did it for us, that's not really anything new to those who are believers. And yet... We can never allow ourselves to, to get to the place where we become so complacent and so casual about what Jesus did. Jesus suffered on the cross for you and for me. He took the punishment upon himself that we deserve. And all of that suffering that he went through, all of those beatings that he took, all of the spitting in the face and the slapping in the face, he did that for you and for me so that we could be saved. As a believer, that ought to encourage us more than ever before to live our daily lives in the shadow of the cross. In other words, we need to weigh every decision that we make in our lives in the light of the, of the cross, in the light of Christ's suffering for us. Uh, you know, when we choose to sin, it's partly because we've forgotten how great the sacrifice was and how great the cost was that Jesus paid for our sin. So always keep the cross in the forefront and that will motivate you to pure holiness. Notice about Jesus. He suffered quietly. He suffered quietly. This passage tells us how Jesus faced his suffering. Look at verse 19. He will not quarrel or cry aloud. And a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice. to A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. You could see the same passage in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 42 and verse 1 through verse 3. It's almost a direct quote word for word uh, from the Old Testament to the New Testament that Matthew is making here. It, it, what this passage does is it reveals the character of Jesus in the midst of his suffering. Some of you who are here this morning, some of you who are watching online, you may be going through some suffering this morning. Maybe you're going through some physical suffering because you have some physical illness or, or maybe there's something going on in your family that you're facing suffering with or, or maybe with the economic situation, finances are just so tight and, and you don't know how you're going to make it from week to week. What we see here in the picture of Jesus is 
of this servant, and it reveals his character in the midst of that suffering. I wonder what our character looks like in the midst of suffering. You know, when you go through suffering, that's when you really find out truly who you really are. That's when everything begins to come to the surface. It's kind of like a fire gets lit underneath you. And, and if there's impurities there, uh, you take the, uh, the, the refiner in the Old Testament who would take the gold or the silver and put it into a vat and, and they would build a fire underneath it. And as they built that fire, it would heat it up more and more and the impurities would begin to float to the top. And then they would take a ladle and begin to scoop off those impurities. And the way that the refiner knew that he had finished the process when everything was removed from it, when he could look over into that vat and to be able to see his reflection clearly. You see, that's what God is doing in your life. Many times the suffering that we're facing is because God has allowed it to bring out the impurities. Sometimes... The suffering we face as a result of our, the consequences of our sin. And so we need to be careful about the things that we do. So always keep the cross in front of you. And so notice here this, this picture of Jesus' character in the midst of suffering. It's a picture of meekness and tenderness. Isaiah uses some wonderful images here. He uses the images of a bruised reed and a smoldering candle wick. And he tells us that the servant is going to treat these, the, the reed and the smoldering candle wick, gently and tenderly. It says that he would not cry out or basically make a big public fuss. In Matthew 12, verse 20, and Isaiah 42, verse 3, it contains a beautiful picture there of the work and the ministry of Jesus. Notice that phrase again. You can read it in Isaiah 43 or Matthew 12, 20. Same words. It says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wheat he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. As I studied for this and dug more in depth here, wow, there was such a beautiful picture here I wanted to share with you. There are two pictures, as we saw, one about the bruised reed. Think about this. In the lands uh, around Palestine, people would have been familiar with what a reed is. Places along the, the Sea of Galilee, places along the edge of the River Jordan, uh, there would be a, an abundance of, of reeds that would be growing up, plants that are growing up tall, slender, thin, along the riverbanks, along the edges of the sea. Uh, reeds have a hollow stem. And because of that, they're very fragile. In fact, many times you'll see reeds by the waterside and many times they'll be knocked over. They can be knocked over by wind. They can be knocked over by rough water. They can be knocked over by animals that come to the water's edge to drink. Anything can knock over a reed. So people who come to the water to fish or to use a boat, they would break them down to get them out of the way. In the marshy areas, you may see some reeds standing tall, but you would also find many that were broken down. Once a reed is broken, it can't be fixed. It can't be fixed. Other plants, if you prune them back or if they become damaged, they can repair themselves and spring forth fresh growth but not so with reeds. Understand what Isaiah is not talking about. He's not talking about literal reeds by the riverbank or by the seashore. He's using that as a picture to talk about something more important. He's using the reeds to talk about people. 
He's telling us that we, like those reeds, can become bruised, we can become hurt, we can become knocked over. You know, in our world, there are many hurting people. They can be knocked over by the forces of the living. They can be knocked over by other people. They can be knocked over by disease and sickness. They can be knocked over by the thoughtlessness and the carelessness of others. There are many people around us, and you may be here this morning, and you may be bruised, and you may be broken, and you may be hurting. There are people all around us like that. They they live next door to us. They shop where we shop. They play where we play. Some are even here right now. And the important message that we see in this text is that Jesus came to have an impact not on physical reeds, but on us as people. He didn't come to break a person who's already been broken. He didn't come to knock down the person who's already been knocked down, bent low with some difficulties of life. Jesus didn't come to hurt you. Unlike the reed physically that's unable to be fixed after they're broken, after we're broken, Jesus is able to bind up the brokenhearted. He's able to bind up our lives. He's able to give us a new strength. He's able to apply that healing salve to our damaged lives. He didn't come loud and obnoxious. He came softly and tenderly and gently to mend the broken reeds of the world. How do we know that? When you look at the context of where this is at, look there in Matthew's gospel, and you see right before this, there was a man with a withered hand that he heals. You see miracle after miracle. Uh, The leper that we've already studied about before in the healings that we've been seeing of Jesus, he was a bruised reed who Jesus touched. He was diseased. He was cast off by society. He was shunned by everyone. He was destined to a slow and a terrible death as a leper. But Jesus came and touched him, and his life was forever changed. Doesn't that make you want to sing, he touched me? (laughs) He touched me, and I'm no longer the same. The leper was a bruised reed, but Jesus touched him. We read about the demon-possessed man who was a bruised reed, who was touched by Jesus. Remember, he was living among the tombstones. He was naked and tormented and cast out by society. But it was Jesus who came and touched him, and his life was forever changed. The woman, you remember in the Bible, in the New Testament, who was caught in adultery, she was a bruised reed who was touched by Jesus. She was about to be cast away by society. She was about to be stoned for her sin. And they would have been justified in stoning her according to the laws of their day. But Jesus came and touched her and her life was forever changed. You think about the woman with the issue of blood, the flow of blood. She was a bruised reed. She was a woman who was in pain. She was weak. She was weary. She was outcast from society. She thought she would touch Jesus. But instead, Jesus touched her in a way that she never dared hope. And her life was forever changed. I've spent some time at the hospital this week as an on-call chaplain. And I've run across some people who are at that place in their life. They're bruised. They're broken. Some of them feel like, I just want to give up. 
But Jesus has reached out and touched their heart and touched their life. And they will never be the same again. Jesus is the answer for the broken reeds of this world. If you're here this morning and you feel like you're broken and you feel like you've just been bruised and, and you're hurting, you feel like you're being cast aside by society, know this, that Jesus is in the life-changing business and he is the answer for the bruised reeds of the world. Notice the other image that Isaiah uses. It is that of a smoking flax or the wick that's about to burn out. A smoldering wick uh, will not be extinguished. And so notice there what he says again in verse 20. He says, a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. Uh, some versions use the word flax there. Flax was used as a wick for an oil lamp. And oil lamps were just simply a little vessel uh, sometimes they were open, sometimes they were closed that had a little hole in the top for air to flow through and a little small hole where you would place the wick in. And you would, it would be stuck down into some olive oil and you would light that wick and then you would be able to set that on the, the shelf in your house and it would light the house. You know, the message that's communicated by this picture in this phrase is a little different than the bruised reed. Uh, think about this. Suppose you were in your home during the evening hours before the days of electricity and your only source of light came from oil lamps. Some of you remember the days of using oil lamps and even reading by oil lamps. Those were difficult days. But just suppose before the days of electricity you were relying on the source of light to come from those oil lamps. And so as the day grew dark, you would begin to light the oil lamps. And during the course of the evening, the lamps would begin to go out one by one, all except this one little lamp. And then you begin to notice it begins to flicker. It's running low on oil. The light begins to grow dim. And before it goes out... It starts to smolder, and you start to see a little bit of smoke drifting off from it. It gives a strong odor. If you were standing near, the smoke would probably get in your eyes. Most people would probably just get up, put the light out, go to bed. Just like the reeds, though, this, this wick, this smoking flax represents people, too. And these are the people uh, that, that Isaiah is saying who, who started out well in spiritual things. They started out with good intentions. They started out on the road of, of life in Christ, but their, and their lives were, were burning brightly at one time. They had a good relationship with the Lord. And at one time they were on fire for God. But during the course of the months or the years, the oil began to go out. And the light begins to flicker. And their relationship with the Lord that at one time had been so good now has become so faint and flickering. And there's some spiritual life left, but it's not much. It's just about to go out. And Isaiah says, that's when Jesus comes in. He's not going to just put out the light and go to bed. 
It's not his desire to destroy what little faith is left in us. It's his desire to trim the wick, to add oil to the lamp, to fan the flame, not to quench the light, but to bring it back to a greater strength than it ever had before. You see, notice this. The nature of Jesus is gentleness and tenderness and kindness. There are different ways that our relationship with the Lord may begin to flicker. You know, sometimes sin creeps into our lives. Maybe it's pride or maybe it's selfishness that begins to creep in. People we begin to hang around with, uh, the wrong crowd begin to influence us. Maybe it's the neglect uh, of spiritual duties, spiritual things like prayer and studying God's word and, and coming to church. But for whatever reason that our life begins to fade, know this, Jesus hasn't come to put out the flickering flame of your life. He wants to fan the flame. He wants to give you more oil in the form of the Holy Spirit. He wants to bring the light back to burning brighter than ever before. He wants to bring revival in your soul. He wants to replenish you. He doesn't want to put the fire out. He, 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 wants, to fire, he wants to fire you up. He, he wants to give you a, a fresh infusion, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. He, he wants to fan the flame of revival in your heart and even in our church. What a beautiful picture of what Christ has come to do. To fix the brokenhearted and to fan the flames of those who the light is about to go out. Wow. Notice this, our suffering, though, in verse 21. It says in the last verse there that we read, And in his name the Gentiles will hope. Now remember, this is a passage way back in the book of Isaiah. This is a passage back in the days when everything that was spoken was spoken to the Jews. And it was from the Jews who were to be a, a witness to the world around them of who God is that others would come to faith in Christ and put their hope and trust in Christ. Uh, there were others who were outside the Jewish family who came to faith in Christ in the Old Testament. They were to be that witness. But notice what it says. And in his name, not the Jews, but the Gentiles will hope. That's everybody who's outside the Jewish faith. That's us. That's the picture that Isaiah paints for us of Jesus, of the suffering servant. What does this mean to us? Does this picture tell us that we've seen here in these verses anything that will enable us to live better? I believe the answer is yes. Because one of the reasons that we long for heaven is we know there's not going to be any more suffering there. Isn't that going to be awesome? What a day that's going to be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face and see the wonder of his grace. When I see heaven and I get to experience no more pain and no more suffering and no more crying and no more death. One of the reasons we long for heaven is that we know there'll be no suffering there. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more pain. That's how Revelation describes heaven. But until that time, suffering is in this world. And ultimately, every one of us, you're either coming out of suffering, you're in the middle of suffering, or you're about to go into it. It's a part of our experience. So here's three things I want to leave you with when you're facing suffering that you can do. Here's the first. Ask God for his presence. 
Because I want to tell you, when you're going through suffering, the person you need more than anybody else, more than you need your husband or your wife, more than you need your children, more than you even need your preacher, you need Jesus. Ask God for his presence. We need to see God working in our lives in the good and in what we perceive is the bad. And so we need to ask God to come near to us and to hear our prayers. We need to say, God, please show me your presence. Second thing we need to learn to do in the midst of suffering is this. Accept God's answer. Sometimes God heals. He says yes to our prayers. And God instantly does it. We've seen it. You've seen it in people's lives where they've had some terminal illness even. And God miraculously cured them of it. And there was no evidence of it there again when scans were done again. You know, after we go through all the feelings that naturally come, we eventually need to come to the point of acceptance. Because there are times that the answer is no. Not yet. If you remember, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. And the Bible tells us that he asked God three times. He begged God, God, please, please, God, Lord, please remove this thorn in the flesh. And God said no. All three times. The final answer was no. Sometimes we have to go through suffering. It's not fun. It's not easy. But the Bible tells us that God loves us and God wants to bless us even in the midst of suffering. What does the Bible say? God works all things, not just the good things, not only the bad things, but all things. He works all things to the glory of God, to those who love him, to those who are the called According to his purpose. And so we need to accept the answer from God. But then here's a third thing we need to do. And this will help you tremendously because when you're in the midst of suffering, one of the greatest things that God can do in and through you that can help you in the midst of your suffering is to minister to others out of our suffering. You know, it very may well be, because think about this. I talked to a lady this week who she was ready to go on to be with the Lord. You may be at that place in your heart and your life. You're, you're going through so much pain. You're going through so much suffering, and you're saying, God, please take me home. I can't take any more of this suffering. But for whatever reason, God hasn't taken you yet. You're still here. The evidence that you're still here is a testimony and a witness that God is not finished with you yet. That even in the midst of your suffering, he wants to use you to minister to others out of our suffering. Once you have come through a time of suffering and you've seen the other side, how powerfully equipped you are to reach out to others who are going through similar things. Even when you haven't yet fully come out to the other side. Because ultimately, one day we will come to the other side. And the ultimate other side is heaven. 
where there'll be no more pain and no more suffering. But until then, if you have to suffer here on this earth, keep your focus on the Lord. Fill your heart and your mind with the things of the Word and then minister to others out of that suffering. Uh, There was a young boy who was sent to the corner store by his mother to buy a loaf of bread, and he was gone much longer than it should have taken him. And when he finally returned, his mother said, Where have you been? I've been so worried sick about you. And he said, Well, there was a little boy who had a broken bike who was crying, so I stopped by to help him. And his mom said, I didn't know you knew anything about fixing bikes. He said, I don't. I just stayed there with him and cried with him. (laughs) Sometimes God fixes the bike. Sometimes he just sits and cries with us. But always, always, always he is there. The promised one of Isaiah the servant of sinners. Jesus is the hope for those who are hurting. If you're here this morning and you're hurting, he is the hope for you. As a picture of Jesus' refusal to fight out or shout against the Pharisees, notice when he was, when he was being arrested, even when he was being nailed to the cross, he never once cried out, I'm innocent of all this. It's you who I'm doing this for. He just very humbly didn't cry out willingly gave himself. He's the meek and gentle Savior. What an image for the one who is the Lord of the Sabbath, the one with authority over the law, the promised king to come. Jesus comes to those who are bruised and battered, whose flame is flickering out. He comes to the spiritually broken, those so bruised by sin and all its effects that are unable to stand up under the weight of it. Know this this morning. He is here for you, and he is here with you. Don't leave this place without him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. What a powerful passage from Isaiah to remind us of what the crucifixion and the resurrection was all about. Jesus came to suffer in our place, on our behalf. And Father, I pray this morning that as we have realized that from the truth of this passage and from the gospel, Lord, maybe there are those who are, who are here this morning and they're suffering because they don't know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Father, I pray that they would simply call out to him today. If they're watching online, that they would call out to him and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I need to be saved. I believe in what Jesus did for me on the cross, that he died in my place. I believe that he was resurrected from the grave, that he gave us victory over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I pray that if there's someone who's prayed something like that in their own words and prayer before you this morning, May they come before uh, us, Lord, to publicly profess that faith in Christ. Father, I pray that as they come, Lord, uh, may you help them not to, to hold on to not coming forward because there's a public group here. Lord, help them to come just as Jesus did in all humility and all humbleness and meekness. Father, I pray that they'll come to do that. Lord, others of us who are here as believers, we may have found ourselves coming out of suffering. We're maybe in the midst of it, 
or we just we see it's around the corner that it's coming lord i pray that we will find our peace and our comfort in knowing that you have come to heal the brokenhearted you've come lord to light the fire that has once gone out and father i pray that you'll renew our passion for you in jesus precious name we pray Amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, would you make your way and come as the Lord lays upon your heart? Would you stand? Matt's got an announcement, so I'll let him go first. Just wanted to remind you all, if you are interested in helping out with VBS, we have a preview and lunch next Sunday. So please go ahead and sign your name on the list and how many uh, will be joining us for lunch. So I think we only got maybe three or five. We need more than that to do VBS this year. So please sign up. Also, uh, parents, we won't have parent meeting this Sunday. Um, we're going to move it into next week to 5 o'clock uh, to continue our parent uh, Bible study. So hopefully that will encourage more of you all to come out and uh, join our group. And so we look forward to that as well. Thank you. Don't forget that tonight we will not have any evening services or activities. It's been a good day here today at the church. You know, this morning we had sunrise service. We had about 70 people that was outside and some more on the inside, you know, so that was a good service. You know, something I asked my class this morning, and I'll ask you, what does Easter mean to you? And of course, that's for little children. I know it's Easter bunnies and hiding Easter eggs and all, or new outfits, or getting together with your families. But you know, it's all about Jesus, and the only reason we're here 
It's because Jesus has risen. And in other announcements, don't forget that the Awanas will be singing next Sunday morning. As Matt had uh, just mentioned about the Bible school, there will be a luncheon. Uh, and also, uh, on the 27th, we will be completing for this uh, year, uh, back till after school starts back, the Awana celebration will be on April 27th. There will not, that's on a Wednesday night, and there will not be any evening prayer meeting or Bible studies or adult choir that evening. Uh, as far as prayer concerns, uh, you know, we want to continue to pray for Erin Murray and her family as she continuously improved. Other people that's had surgical procedures or having, getting ready to have surgical procedures. Let's pray for one another. Pray for our church, Brother Jim, Brother Matt, and others that lead us. And uh, so after the closing prayer, our song, our, cor uh, our choir will lead us in a celebration song. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we do want to come to you. We want to thank you most of all for who you are, but what you've done for us. And Father, as we ask the question, what does Easter mean to us? Don't let us get caught up in the hustle and bustle of the secular world and forget the meaning of Easter. It's because of your death and resurrection that we have a reason to be here today. Father, we ask that you bless us, guide us, forgive us when we fail you. And Father, we just ask that you bless our church. But most of all, we ask that you bless each person here. And even the ones that couldn't be here today, we ask that you be with them in a special way. Thanks again for all your many blessings and for the way that you provide for us and care for us. And in your name, we give the honor and the praise through your son, Jesus. Amen. Parts of this song will be familiar to you, so you feel free to sing along with us. <laughs> 